Hey guys, how's it going? I am walking up Santa Monica Boulevard in what college right now, leaving the bookstore where I bought a book on the tarot. And, uh, I was kind of thinking about like a lot of the traveling that I've done in my life and the places that I've been and kind of what I've learned in each space that I took from those areas. Um, so I was born and raised and grew up in Los Angeles, and I feel like that is kind of where my creativity came from, where I where I honed my craft. I became an artist through all the, the trials and tribulations that I experienced in this place, you know, growing up in a, a broken home and, you know, spending years incarcerated, you know, fighting with gangbangers and all kinds of other shit. Oh my god, it's so funny to walk up the street right now in Santa Monica. Keep in mind, I'm in West Hollywood, so it's really gay out here. These two buff dudes literally just rolled up on the street sharing a scooter. So two guys, buff dudes, on one scooter. It's just, you can't, you can't get any more fabulous than that. You can't make that shit up. It's like... Literally, I feel like the homosexuals in Los Angeles are so competitive. They're like trying to outgrow Anyway, you see what I'm saying about creativity in Los Angeles? It's just so fucking crazy. Um, so, all the pain and suffering from upbringing and even the laughter, you know, I always kind of found a way to, to joke my way through a lot of stuff. Um, I was telling my friend on a podcast I did on his show the other day, I was like, man, even when I was in jail, I I found a way to laugh my way through it all. Even though uh, I would say 85% of it wasn't funny, I found a way to make it at least bearable. And, uh, I feel like Los Angeles gave me a great sense of humor. And uh, because it's so uh, diverse out here in religion and ethnicity, ethnicities and just beautiful women, it just it kind of like... It, it cultured me a little bit. I've always been a, a little bit of an adventurer, so that uh, has definitely played up to my advantage. Uh, outside of Los Angeles, the next place I went, I'm not really going to get too deeply into it, is prison. And uh, I think that, you know, I started going in at age 14, 15, and, uh, first juvenile hall I went to was Eastlake Juvenile Hall in Los Angeles. And uh, I feel like, you know, I went through all these juvenile halls and camps and placements and, and boys' homes and, uh, you know, and then eventually the California Youth Authority. And uh, I feel like what I learned from those places is that, uh, you know, like, Finding a way to be strong in a situation where you feel entirely vulnerable and weak. Um, I feel like it trained me to constantly face my shadow self. You know, because if you can look at yourself in a place like that. Um, and drop your pride and ego in a place where pride and ego is like really valuable. You know, I managed to drop my pride and ego in that in that place and I feel like that was really valuable in the end because uh, 
it's just enabled me now in the future, in the present moment, to, uh, to continue to face my shadow self, you know? I always tell people, um, we can go through traumatic shit for years, and we can get lost on drugs and alcohol. Sorry, guys, I'm walking up the street right now, so if you're hearing other sounds, it's cars, it's music from restaurants, it's bustling, and passing Barney's Beanery right now Santa Monica. I used to go get fucked up there. I don't, I don't drink anymore, but yeah, like if you're, if you're getting fucked up and you're doing drugs and you're doing all this shit and um, you get sober or, you know, whatever, like, and you're, you're frustrated because, and I'm not saying this from a AA perspective. I mean, I guess I could be. I'm not an AA in the program, but I'm just sharing my experiences, you know, and you're really upset because, <coughs> you know, it's a little harder being sober, it's using or whatever, you just kind of want that immediate reward or that immediate result, well, I got news for you, if you walk into a forest for 10 years, even if you run out, it's probably going to take you at least three to five years. So, if you spent all these years or months or whatever on drugs and fucking your life up in one way or another, and even like my rehabilitation like process back or my um, integration process back into society from jail, it was like, it literally took me years because I was in jail for six years. It literally took me at least three years to get comfortable in my skin the streets and not still have like that prison dialect you know because you know gang era prison you know people we had a specific swagger to us and so it took me years to, to get rid of that so I feel like uh, jail also kind of taught me a little bit of patience I mean I've always been kind of a I don't want to say impatient because I feel like the real growth with patience has came from like lots of meditation. And when I say lots of meditation, I mean thousands of hours of meditation. And I don't feel like everybody needs as much meditation as other people. I feel like it's like a drug or a medicine or whatever. Like some of us are just naturally born with like a calm, equanimous perspective where, you know, we don't necessarily need to meditate as much as another person. For myself, being as anxious and um, hyper as I am, I feel like uh, I still need more meditation, always. Um, but I feel like jail taught me a lot about patience, too, because I originally got into meditation even breathing exercises in jail. I read this book called We're All Doing Time. And it was these guys that got to do a lot of like Eastern philosophy, spirituality while incarcerated. Some of them had life to do with prison. And um, that's kind of where I learned like breath of fire, yoga. I did, you know, I used to, I literally learned the sun salutation poses in a prison cell, like, fuck, 
probably like three years into my sentence. And I would do the sun salutation yoga poses often. Um, I, I let that shit go for a long time until life became overwhelming at about 35, but I got back into all that stuff again. And uh, it doesn't matter where you are in life. If, you're, if you don't have a spiritual practice, uh, eventually your problems, your anxieties, your depressions will compound upon you like an avalanche. And if you think you're going to escape all that by getting prescribed medications, which is basically getting prescribed a fucking Band-Aid, uh, you're wrong again. So you, you need to face your shadow self. And you need to do that work. You need to do the tough stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. If you want to, uh, you know, grow in life. And uh, excel and heal. Band-Aids aren't going to help you heal. Because a lot of times when you pull that Band-Aid off, there's going to be a festering sore underneath it. So anyways, I learned a lot of different stuff from jail. I learned how to be comfortable in a very uncomfortable situation. And then I was released back to L.A. after that. Um, you know, I just kind of learned. Uh, I got into tattooing eventually because I always wanted to do art for a living. And I learned a lot about women over the years. I'm still learning a lot about women. You fucking mysterious, crazy, colorful creatures. Um... And I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, I got into tattooing, and, you know, tattooing taught me a lot about, you know, precision and caution and uh, just uh, focus and determination, because to be perfectly honest, a lot of times I legitimately wanted to rip my hair out with it so many times, it was so uncomfortable so humiliating, so humbling, so, uh, it's the most challenging thing I ever did in my life. You know, I used to paint murals on basketballs, bedroom, draw portraits of your dead grandma exactly like her, with a pencil or a pen or a marker even. Tattooing, though, that you really don't want to fuck up. Um, Eventually, like I said, sorry, that's the sound of my bag from the book I just got. Uh, eventually, what happened was is uh, I started having nervous breakdowns probably, I want to say, about 11 years after I got out of jail because I was there from 17 to 23. And at first, I thought these were uh, psychic visions. And it happened like six times. And legitimately, I would get this overwhelming feeling in my body of anxiety and start sweating and just be like so like on edge and red alert and think, oh my God, something's going to happen. Nothing could happen. And uh, eventually, I, as I've always been pretty perceptive, I said, man... I wonder if these are symptoms from post-traumatic stress disorder, which I'd never really looked into, but I, you know, of course, I'd heard about it a few times. So I, uh, I looked into it and I, 
I took a couple of online tests and found out that I had every every characteristic and diagnosis of that disorder. And that's when I got back into meditation. And, uh, shortly after doing the Vipassana meditation, which is 10 days of silence, no reading, no writing, no telephones, no computers, you are there to meditate for an hour a day. Uh, mandatory seven hours of meditation a day, optional 11. And uh, I'll be perfectly honest, I was suffering so much that I chose to meditate a minimum of nine to 11 hours a day. Every time I went to Vipassana meditation, I took it very serious because of the suffering that I went through. And again, I realized once I got into meditation that, uh, you know, I had been living my life in the past and I had, I figured out that, you know, while I was in jail, you know, all I could think about was past memories when I wanted to escape the reality I was in. I would dwell on the past, memories of times that I hooked up with girls or fooled around with girls if I was lucky because I basically was a virgin. Like, you know, parties that I went to or laughing with friends or whatever. And um, so for six years, I trained my mind to think in reverse. And really, um, what uh, meditation did was it brought my mind up to the present moment. And I realized shortly after leaving Vipassana within weeks I was like holy shit the nightmares all went away I'm talking about I used to have I had 22 years of nightmares consecutively every night every dream was a fucking nightmare every once in a while if I was lucky when I say every once in a while I mean like once every you know four to six months I might have a sex dream if I was lucky but that was the only good dreams I ever had so basically it was sex and violence but 95% of it was violence but after doing the meditation, my nightmares came back. And I noticed that I started having feelings of joy, feelings that I hadn't had in over 23 to 25 years. These, these feelings that had been dormant in my body that I hadn't had since childhood. You know, after the world and school and medicine and television and my father and all these, and jail and all this, you know, chased these emotions away. And although I was left with this depression and anxiety. Meditation fixed that. And uh, there's definitely been challenges in the last 11 years, but they haven't been overwhelming. And if they have been overwhelming, meditation will teach you to observe your feelings, not to uh, affiliate with them. So it's like, oh my God, I'm full of anxiety. Okay, well, let's observe the feeling of anxiety rather than feeling the anxiety. Like, a lot of times it, it doesn't work, but eventually it does. You start to notice on a subconscious level, you're no longer feeling as much anxiety throughout the day. Gawanka, the guy that popularized the Vipassana meditation, which I've got a lot of problems with because of the um, political structure of the freaking white leftist movement has taken over the Vipassana meditation centers. And now it's like 
they're freaked out about COVID and you got to be vaccinated and have all the boosters and you got to get a PCR test and wear a mask and they don't care. And I, it's just, I was noticing that years ago though, like pre-COVID, it's like any time, you know, civilized white people get an opportunity to uh, experience something uh, culturally from another race or tradition, they got to fucking come in and politicize it, make new rules, that they're going to do it better. And so um, I noticed years ago, I, I didn't go to Vipassana because I was a fanatic like a lot of these people. I feel like, you know, fanatics always fuck everything up inevitably. It always leads to like pedophilia and abuse and it's again, you know, stealing and shit like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I got a lot out of it though in the end and it, you know, I just kind of had to focus on myself and, and not allow those dipshits to affect my perspectives on, uh, on meditation. Anyways, after years of meditation, I, uh, well, let's, let me rewind. Uh, after about a year of meditation, within a few months, I had noticed I started traveling. It was like it unlocked this uh, this dimension within me that was always there, that was supposed to be there, that like was my higher self. But all the pain and the the, the struggle and turmoil had had shadowed it and and had locked it up in a place that had subdued it, like. The system taught me to cage the animal, and um, subconsciously for years I followed that, and I and I was caging myself, and I was becoming my own prison guard, kind of like most of the people on the streets right now during this COVID thing are their own fucking prison guards. They they have Stockholm syndrome, and they want the government. Well, they don't even need the government anymore. The government's already done such a great job of indoctrination. These people have Stockholm syndrome, and they're going to be their own prison guards. And and it's bad enough that they got to imprison themselves, but they're going to tell you when you're in a store or something about you know masks and vaccines and all that shit. So very interesting. But I was one of those people. And again, like I've I've said it multiple times. You know, years ago, I would have related to a lot of the leftist ideology. I would have related to a lot of liberal ideology. Because I hated conservatives. But, uh, God, um, you guys know me and how ADD I am. I can just rant and rant and rant and just get lost. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I noticed within a few months of leaving that meditation center that I was traveling, going to South by Southwest in Texas, going to Arizona. Going, going up to Washington, to the Rainbow Gathering, going to uh, Las Vegas, then Hawaii, then Spain. And um, I got to say, what I learned in Spain was um, about uh, architecture and not just the beauty of sacred ancient architecture, but the feeling and the impression that it leaves upon me. I would walk into these cathedrals, have these ruins, 
that I was privileged to see in Spain. And literally, I would get the chills and feel like I had microdosed on some mushrooms or something. It, it left me with an impression, an unbelievable impression. And that's kind of, I don't really talk about it much on this. I did, but I deleted it. Christ, what I think most of these uh, ancient monolithic structures were all about, uh, which I'll, I will have and talk about on the podcast in the future. So now, Spain taught me the importance of architecture and just how much I don't believe that modern man is intelligent as we say we are. Everything about our modern society is just a clear fucking lie. It's just constant lying. Oh, it's just so amazing. It's just so bad. It's just pop shit because Essentially, eventually, teaching us how to think because when you're constantly taught to not Why would I think 
Yeah. 